Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. But that's not really what rest is. You know, the thing is, sleep is really just one type of rest. It's a type of physical rest. And even within physical rest, it has different types. You have active physical rest and you have passive physical rest. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. We are a society that praises being busy. The more you can cram into a day and the few hours you need to sleep, the more productive and successful you seem. But at what cost? My guest today is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, and she is a board-certified internal medicine physician. She's an author and speaker who shares biblical truths to help heal the body, mind, and spirit. She's been featured on many media outlets, including Focus on the Family, Red Book, MSNBC, Psychology Today, and she was even a guest on the Dr. Oz Show. Dr. Sandra's newest book is Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Recover Your Energy, Recover Your Sanity. And that's what I wanted her to talk with us today. So Dr. Sandra, thank you for joining us on the No More Perfect podcast. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. I'm thrilled to have you. And I'll be really honest with you. This is a bit of a selfish topic for me. (laughs) So, you know, everybody else is listening. I'm glad you're listening, but this one's for me today (laughs) (laughs) because I have struggled with this in my own life. And I'm just so looking forward to uh, this conversation because I know that there will be things I will glean from it as well. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I always, the books I write are are usually personal for me. They are something I've gone through, something I've worked through, mistakes I've made and lessons learned. Talk to us for a moment, a little bit about why you even tackled this concept of sacred rest. Yes. Well, I wish I could say that this was a book that was just kind of out of my medical background. It would have been a lot less emotionally and draining and painful that way. But if no, I burned out. I mean, that's the, the core of it. I burned out about 10 years ago. And at the time I had two toddlers. And so I was, you know, full on in the mommy life and full on in a full time profession that had me working 50 plus hours a week. Mm. So I was and, you know, the, the interesting thing at that time was I, I also felt like God was calling me to do more stuff. And it was like, 
okay, so <laughs> I feel like I'm being called to do more stuff and I can't do the stuff I already have to do. And so I just kind of kept thinking that, okay, maybe if I just kind of keep pushing, this is going to get better. And rather than trying to rest, I just kept trying to find ways to fit more stuff in. And it burned me out. Mm, wow. So what did burn you out look like? I was exhausted in every area possible. Mentally, I was exhausted. Physically, my body hurt. I mean, literally hurt my neck, shoulders. You know, it was one of those things where as, a, as an internal medicine physician specifically, I had people coming to me with similar complaints all the time. And so, you know, I thought, okay, well, let me do the same thing that I would do with my patients if they came in complaining that everything hurts and they're, they're drained. So I took all these tests and kind of everything was perfectly normal. I thought maybe it was just sleep deprivation. So I made a point of I'm going to make sure I get those eight hours of sleep every single night, no matter what. I mean, at one point I was going to bed the second my toddlers went down. We're talking eight o'clock just to try to make sure that I got those eight hours of sleep and it didn't help. So I was still tired. And, you know, it's a kind of distressful situation when you get to the point where you're doing everything you've been taught, especially as a physician, to do to fix a problem and it's not working. And so it's like, what do you do if you're exhausted? Your mind is racing your body aches, you're emotionally drained and tired, even spiritually feeling kind of withdrawn, despite how many Bible studies you do or sermons you go to, you're just not getting restored in any part of your life. You know, what do you do when the thing everyone's telling you should fix that isn't working? And so that's where I found myself. Wow. What that really makes me think of is, and, and makes me kind of go, okay, I think I need to understand this better, is it's not just about physical sleep. Because you were actually doing the physical sleep piece and it wasn't working. So talk to us about about what that means. I mean, you know, rest seems like a simple process, right? Mm -hmm. So why is it that we're struggling with fatigue? Why is it that we're struggling with insomnia? Well, you're right. I think for most of us, when we think about rest, we're really calling sleep rest. We're thinking about them being the same thing. So we say, you know, I, I need to take a rest. And what we're thinking is I need to cease activity, lay my body down and see if that will restore me and fix me. But that's not really what rest is. You know, the thing is, sleep is really just one type of rest. It's a type of physical rest. And even within physical rest, it has different types. You have active physical rest and you have passive physical rest. So when we put all of our rest eggs into just that sleep bucket, we're missing out on all the other types of rest. And we're even missing out on another type of physical rest. And I think that's what most people are experiencing. They're sleeping, but they're not feeling any more restored. And that's really what rest is about. It's about restoration of those parts of our life that we pour out of. And so that includes the physical, the mental, the spiritual, the emotional, the social, the sensory, and the creative parts of ourselves. And just trying to get more sleep is not going to restore some of those other areas. Wow. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So can we talk about those seven types of rest? Just an overview, just a yeah. kind of give us a high level. So we understand what it is that we really need to be 
pursuing so we can experience restoration. Absolutely. So physical rest, as I stated, have two components. So the passive, most of us us have down. It's the sleeping and the napping. And so then the active part of physical rest really deals with those things that restore our body's circulation, the lymphatic drainage, the muscle integrity and flexibility. So it includes things like stretching, leisure walks, anything really that improves the circulation, just moving. And so those are the things that look like active physical rest and that are restorative type activities. And then you have mental rest. And mental rest deals with those activities that allow our mind to get to a quiet, calm place. For many of us, if we lay down at night, you can tell that you have a mental rest deficit. If you're someone who, when you lay down, your mind automatically kind of runs through your to-do list and you're thinking about conversations you had earlier in the day and recounting events. And it's like you can't get your brain to just shut up. It just wants to keep going and going and going. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to know what activities help you to get your mind to settle down. And for a lot of people, that looks like meditation, meditating on the word of God. And when I say that, oftentimes I really mean a word. A characteristic can sometimes be the thing that needs to be focused on, not necessarily a, a long scripture where your mind has to continue to process, but Just think about what's a characteristic of God that would help get your mind kind of tamed back, your emotions, your thoughts back kind of into order. For, you know, really, if you think about the mind, it's almost like an unruly child. It wants to go down whatever way it wants to go, whenever it wants to go there. (laughs) So that could be a negative thought pattern. That could be a toxic belief. It always wants to kind of run down these wild rabbit holes. But you have to be able to kind of tame it and get it back into obedience with the mind of Christ. And sometimes the easiest way of doing that is remembering who God is. And so I always like to tell people to think about a characteristic. If you're anxious, think about who God is as someone who helps calm the seas and brings peace. And if you're dealing with another problem, think about who God is in that situation and focus your thoughts on that specific mindset. Wow. Okay. That's good. I love that. Okay. So we have physical rest. We have mental rest. Yes. And then spiritual is one where you really have to think about the relationship aspect of what that looks like. So I tend to recommend that most people not think about it as studying the word or even devotional reading, because for most of us, that's still activities that are related to education and edifying our minds. So there's a pull on your to actually be able to process all of that. What spiritual rest looks like is actually the opposite of that. It's being poured back into. So it's that time of intimacy with God. It's not where you're waiting on him to, you know, you're asking him for a specific reference for a talk you're about to give, or you're looking for a revelation about an issue that you have, or you're asking for a prayer to be answered. It's simply being in his presence and letting that be enough. And I think Mm -hmm. it's often we get to a place where We become very comfortable with some of the spiritual activities that we do, but we're not really at the point where we are comfortable just with the intimacy of being with God. Wow. So that might even be just going out and sitting on the porch swing, if you've got one, and just watching the birds and just being in the, just being in creation. Creation. Yes. Now you actually are describing, and I love that because you're actually describing 
combining two different types of rest right there. So you're in creation, appreciating who God is and spending time and reflecting really on who God is, but you're doing it in creation, which is a part of creative rest. Creative rest is the rest we experience when we allow the beauty around us, whether that's natural beauty, like birds and flowers and the ocean and the beach and all of that, or if it's a man-made beauty like artwork or sculpture or music, and it's allowing that to create something and awaken something inside of you. It's getting an appreciation of, of letting beauty do something inside of you. Mm, wow. Okay. That makes sense. And, you know, I, I think that probably some of that becomes temperament or personality driven too. Like I know I am drawn to nature. Like mm-hmm. for me, creative rest is probably more likely going to be drawn towards nature more than art, although not that I can't appreciate it. Although I have a daughter that is an artist, you take her to an art museum and that is a very spiritual experience for her. Yes. I love that. I love that because that's the thing about rest. We have to get out of the habit of judging other people's rest, what is restful, what's a restorative activity for them. Because just like you said, one person's restorative creative rest may look very different from someone else's. Because to me, going to a museum is not restful at all. It's actually mm-hmm. stressful. I don't understand what I'm looking at. You know, it's it's like, uh, you know, what am I supposed to be getting out of this? So it ends up being a stressful situation for me. However, when I am at the beach or at the water, I automatically feel rested without having to do anything because that is a very natural restorative place for me. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, I, I so agree with that. And I so understand that. And you're right. We do tend to a judge ourselves Mm -hmm. and B judge others. And it's like, we need to just let each of us be who we are. God has made us all unique, all different. And so uh, really learning how to emotional intelligence, part of emotional intelligence, and that's something I've really been growing on um, uh, being a former avoider myself, is really tuning into yourself and going, Mm -hmm. how have you made me, Lord? I love that. Okay, so we have Uh, physical rest, we have mental rest, we have spiritual rest, and we have creative rest. Is that right? Creative rest. Yes. Creative. Another type of rest is is sensory rest. And sensory rest is really just allowing our senses to get to a place where they are not being bombarded. You know, most of us spend our days on computers, bright lights, there's lots of sounds. And so being aware of, of those sensory inputs For many of us, we don't really think about the sensory inputs that we're engaged with on a regular basis. And so what happens is you can get to a level of sensory overload without really knowing it. And I think a lot of us experience that, particularly if you spend a lot of time on social media or if you have a lot of notifications on your phone you, know, you may start off the day feeling pretty calm and by the end of the day, you're feeling anxious and you don't know why. You know, oftentimes those social media notifications, a lot of us are res- we're responding the same way I as a physician would respond if my pager goes off. So, you know, my pager goes off and I'm on call, my heart rate goes up, my palms get sweaty, you know, I'm ready to pounce on some situation because the notification is telling me something drastic is happening somewhere. However, when many of us are getting it on our cell phones, there's nothing drastic going on. Someone just had a latte and thought it was really great and they want to let you know about it. And so now, but your body is responding 
in a very similar way. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of uh, sensory toxicity that many people are experiencing. The, one of the easiest ways to think about it, if you've ever had a two-year-old at a birthday party and they start off and they are great, they're having a great time. And then somewhere towards like the two-hour mark, they are coming apart at the seams. They are yes. so upset. Yes. <laughs> no one took the toy. No one told them they couldn't have cake. They're just upset. They're just, yes. they're, they've experienced too much. And then you take that same child and you add, you know, 16 years to it. And now they're a teenager and they're playing video games for five hours. Teen that walked into the room, you know, able to yes, ma'am and no, ma'am, walks out like angry at the world and, and belligerent sensory overload. And then you take the same person and you add another 25 or so years to that. And they're at the office all day on computers and they come home to their family after listening to the radio on the way home and everything else that's going on around them. Yeah. And they're still agitated and they don't understand why. It's all the same process, just different ages. Right, right. You know, I I have had a lot of trouble with insomnia of late. And I was working with a functional medicine coach and she challenged me to turn off our computer router at night. Mm -hmm. And so we've been doing that. And she also said, where's your phone when you sleep? And my phone is my alarm. So it was near my bed. And she said, no, 12 feet away from your body, maybe on the other side of a wall. And I, so I've been doing that. Uh, we've been turning off the router at night and we've been putting the phone on the other side. And I'll tell you what, I have had probably the best three nights of sleep mm -hmm. in the last uh, three nights that I have had in a long time. And I could still hear my alarm. It went off on the other side of the wall. I still could hear it. It was fine. I, I worried a little bit about that. But I think about that whole sensory overload thing. Mm -hmm. And even how that is playing into it was grateful for uh, that wisdom passed along. Yeah, it's a huge problem for most people. And the the thing is, because it's not something that's talked about very often, these different types of rest, people just assume, well, there's, I just don't sleep well. I'm just not a good sleeper, as some people say, but that they don't realize that there are actually underlying things that are actually provoking that and making it so that their body is unable to wind down and get to a, a fully rested state. And that's the, you know, that's one of the interesting things about these seven types of rest. They are not sleep but they actually help you sleep better once you start doing them because your body is able to get to that calm place faster when you lay down at night and then you can get to the deeper levels of, of non-REM sleep. Yeah, great. Okay, so we have physical rest, mental rest, spiritual rest, creative rest, sensory rest. We have one more, right? Yeah, well, there's two more and they're both related to people. So we have emotional rest and then social rest. Emotional rest is that rest that you receive when you allow yourself to just be very authentic and open with people. So you don't, you're not having your mask on. You're not having to put on airs about a situation or pretense. There's a stress that comes with just kind of having to up to live up to all of that. Mm -hmm. Perfectionists tend to have an issue with emotional rest. People with weak personal boundaries tend to have an issue with emotional rest mm. because they're afraid that if people, you know, if they really said what they felt, if I really said no, that I don't want to cook those brownies for the bake sale, <laughs> that someone's going to be mad at me or I'm going to lose a friend. And so emotional rest is being able to just tell, have your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes and to be very just comfortable in stating how you're feeling. Mm, wow. Okay. 
Uh, boy, I've never associated uh, learning to say no with rest. That's <laughs> a huge part of it because I, many people, I think, don't have the rest they need because they don't know how to say no effectively. Right. They feel like no is a, kind of an affront to others when really it's a protection for you and for them. Too many reluctant yeses is going to result in having you in a situation that really you weren't supposed to be in in the first place. Right. Yeah, that makes total sense. Okay. And then finally, social rest. Social mm -hmm. rest is the rest we receive when we are around life-giving people. So many of us spend the majority of our time around people who need things from us. And that's the people who will demand most of your time because they need things from you. And the problem with that is when all of your energy is spent around people that are drawing from you, that are needing things from you, then who's pouring back into you? How are you getting filled back up socially? And so, you know, a lot of the statistics and studies show that adults now have fewer adult friends than ever because our attention is spent with our family and our coworkers and our clients and, you know, all these people that need things from us. And so we don't have room in our lives for people who are pouring back into us. And it's important to make sure that you have those people in your life so that you can receive what you need to actually stay socially healthy. Right. Because if if you don't, then you are trying to give out of an empty tank. Absolutely. And yeah. that was never God's plans for any of us to constantly no. be pouring from emptiness. Right. Well, and not only that, but in creation, he modeled rest, didn't mm -hmm. he? Absolutely. I love the creation story. And that's actually where he took me to in the very beginning when I started this process, this journey. I, I almost said when I started writing the book, but there was no book to be written at that time. That was just me trying mm -hmm. to survive is what it was. Yes. So, but I, that's where he started me at is that creation story. Because for the longest time, I've always worked on the precept that after I'd done enough work, then I've earned my right to rest. It's like, okay, well, I've, I've done all the work I can do. Now I need to rest so I can do more work. And then after I've done a lot of work, then I can rest. But that is not the pattern that God put into place. The pattern that God put into place, you know, on the sixth day, man was created. Animals were created. Then man was created. And then we hear on the seventh day, God rested. And what God really kind of took me through during that story is what was man doing while God was resting? Because there was no mention of work until actually the entire next chapter of Genesis. So during that time, there was no work being done by man either. So man was resting as well. You know, it's very interesting that on the day of creation for man, what God did was not put them to work, but told them what the work was. He gave them, he commissioned them, told them, this is what your place on the earth to do. Basically gave them their identity so that they could see who they were. And then before any work was ever to be done, he placed them in a full day of rest prior to the work. And that's when the bells and whistles went off in my head. I had spent all my life trying to work enough to earn my rest when what God's pattern is, is that I learn how to work from a place of rest, that I start off with getting an identity in Christ. And then from there, stay in the place of rest with him until I then have what I need to move out to do the work that he's called me to do. Mm, that is powerful. And I think that that's probably, I would have to really sit on that. But I think I, I really resonate with that. And probably those that are task-oriented particularly mm -hmm. struggle with that. Yes. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. I think for me, that was the hardest part to learn. 
-hmm. and to accept. I can't just say learn because it was more accepting it because I had a hard time believing it for myself, to be honest with you. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, God, if if I'm resting, who's going to do this and who's going to do that? And that was probably the next portion of scripture that he took me to was in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, where it says, in returning and rest shall you be saved and quietness and trust shall be your strength, but you would have none of it. And that was like, you're right. I, I had always thought of every blessing required me to work, work it out. You know, I said I trusted God, but my trust lacked the ability to take my hands off of it. So is that really trust? Right. Yeah. Sounds a lot like control, doesn't it? Yeah. And and control is exhausting. <laughs> you really don't have any control. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So what are some of the long-term effects of focusing only on work and not taking rest? I think that's really when most of us get to that place where it looks like the work has no meaning. I know for myself, you know, I was at a point where I was producing a lot of goodness for other people. So people would tell me how much I'm blessing their lives, but I wasn't stopping long enough to even even taste and see any of the goodness for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's if you're really a goal-oriented person, you can get into this habit of producing, producing, producing. It's almost like a bee. You're producing all of this honey and everyone's like, oh, this tastes so great. And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about because I haven't stopped long enough to even see what I produced. You know, there was no time for reflection. There was no time for gratitude. There was no time for thankfulness. It was like, oh, I checked that one off. Let me go to the next thing. And that's not a way of, that's not living. Mm -mm, No. What about the physical aspects of this? If we don't learn to rest, what happens to us physically? Well, I think that's the the part as a physician that really is concerning because for many people, the things they're trying to treat medically sometimes have just a rest deficit component attached to it. A lot of chronic back and pain and neck-related issues have to do with the stress response. It's the body's response to chronic stress. A lot of people hold stress in their upper body. High blood pressure, anxiety levels can increase the more you feel stress in any of these areas, whether it's emotional or social or creative. That increased stress can then affect you by increasing cortisol levels and cause blood pressures to be higher. Diabetes is more prevalent whenever you have higher cortisol levels. There's a condition called metabolic syndrome which is basically where your body really becomes toxic, for lack of a better word, where your inflammatory response just stays heightened. And that decreases your immunity, which, you know, right now is a big deal. You want to have a healthy immune system. And stress doesn't promote that. Stress actually does the exact opposite to that. Mm, Gotcha. Yeah. So this is really something we need to take seriously is because it has implications for our body and uh, taking care of our body, as well as implications for just the joy and contentment we find in life. Absolutely. And, and, you know, as a mom, what I found is for myself, and before I really kind of started to get a, a good grasp on what it is I need to be 
to be well rested, what it looked like for me to be well rested. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't really modeling any of that for my kids. So when they asked to do 15 sports, I'm like, sure, we can do all 15 of those sports. Both of you can do 15 different sports and I can run all over town all week long, you know, (laughs) taking you here, there and everywhere. But when I started kind of getting an a grasp on what it looked like to have some, to integrate kind of the things I love to do with the things that I feel called to do, and then still leaving room for me to be restored in between all of that, that's when I started kind of having my children do the same thing. Even at a young age, my husband and I kind of sat our boys down and we were like, you know, this isn't healthy. Every, you know, you come home from soccer and you're like passed out because you did soccer today and you did this other sport the other day and and there was no downtime. And then you still had homework to do on top of all of that, Right. to have them really get real, to be introspective about how do I want to best spend my time? What are the Mm -hmm. sports that I love doing? Even I'm not, even if I'm not great at it, but I love doing it. And so I'm willing to put in the work to get better at it rather than trying to do three sports because this one I'm good at, but this one I love. And then you're kind of pulling yourself into pieces. Gotcha. Okay. So let's talk, let's continue on the parenting realm here because I'm kind of looking at these seven types of rest and I'm thinking, how do we teach our kids? How do we lead our kids in these types of rest? Could we maybe dive into that just a little bit? Because not only do we need it, but we need, especially for those that still have children in their home or even those that are influencing grandchildren, how can we encourage each of these? Can we maybe come up with a practical way? Yeah. Well, I think, I think to start with, we have to start modeling it within our homes. So for example, with physical rest. Are we setting some healthy bedtime routines within our family? And, you know, is everybody just you know, slam the computer shut, lay our head down. <laughs> that's and now and that's bedtime. We don't have any kind of ongoing pattern of how we're going to relax our bodies, mind and spirit to even get to the point of sleeping well. Being aware of just the ergonomics is part of the physical rest part of it. So with a lot of you know people now doing their work from home or kids working from home, just being aware of how their body is positioned in the work that they're doing. So if they're homeschooling, are they curled up on the couch with their spine in a twisted position? Because that's not restful for the body. That is not a healthy ergonomic positioning for five hours of doing classwork. You want to be able to have them in a, at a desk, in a chair, at the kitchen table even, but somewhere where their body is properly aligned so that they're not building up any tension in those areas. Mentally, thinking mm-hmm. about having some form of routine within your settings. Routine helps the mind. Multitasking actually defeats the purpose of mental rest. So trying to do five things at the same time call this the brain to go into this stressful realm because it's having to reposition in multiple ways. It's not concentrating or doing, as they say, deep work into one area. And so it's important to teach our children how to do this. So if you're sitting down to do homework, then do homework in that topic instead of doing homework and the radio's playing and you've got your friend on the speakerphone <laughs> and all of these things happening at the same time. And really none of them are being done well. None of them are. Even if you think they are. Even if you think they are, you're, you're not giving it your full attention. And yes. so you're more likely to make mistakes that way. 
you know, particularly mm-hmm. if you're trying to do homework, you're more likely to make a mistake. That's when people send an email to the wrong person because they were sending an email and talking on the phone and checking something else at the same time. And you're like, <laughs> yes. oops, I, I didn't mean to send that to that person. That's right. what multitasking results in. And so you don't want to train your children to multitask. You actually want to train them to be deep thinkers where they focus on a topic, they complete a task, and then they move to another task. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as spiritual rest, one of the things that that I found with, when I speak to youth groups that is really interesting because I don't particularly like cell phones, but it's really difficult for many of them to understand intimacy with God. It's not a term that you know, it's taught necessarily. So it's very hard for them to understand what I mean when I say that. And I had one student kind of said, do you mean like if, if I texted God, like he was one of my friends that, that we had a conversation like that, like I can just like share my heart. It's like, exactly. So I had them actually send a text to themselves on what would God need to say to you today for you to know that he really understands where you're at. Oh, I and love it's like that. The, like the light bulbs went off because, you know, that generation, that's kind of how they communicate now. Yes. Um, right. So you have to just kind of make it practical to them so that they yes. can understand that, you know, God's not this out there you can't communicate with, doesn't understand you. He understands you better than you understand yourself. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, so it's helpful to kind of help them understand that they can have that type of intimacy with him, even at a young age, that you don't have to be, you know, in your 40s like I am to be able to develop intimacy with God. Right, right. Oh, I love that. What about, so creative rest, we'd probably want them, we'd probably want to explore with them if art is mm-hmm. there you know, does that do something for them or does nature do something for them? Yes. So, and that's really just exposure, exposing uh-huh. them to these environments and see what their response is. When I, you know, my children, we've never had a conversation about what their creative rest area is. We just continually expose them to things. And then once they got to about we started doing this around when they were five, because that's when I started my own journey. Once they got to about the age of 10, we started hearing conversations like, can we go back to the beach? I just love going there just to hang out. Can we go do this? Can we go for a nature walk? I like it when we get around the waterfalls. And it became very obvious that they had kind of adapted some of their mother's love for the water, because that is one of my creative rest areas. Any kind of water will do but water has to be present. (laughs) So, you know, it's really interesting because creative rest is very intuitive. Most people, you cannot explain why you feel, why these situations or these exposures kind of awaken the awe and wonder of just beauty inside of you, Uh but it does. And, you know, the important part about that is that most people are more creative than they know. You know, they're they're being like a teacher's creative when she's having to think up how to do a lesson plan that'll help a visual learner and an auditory learner take the Mm -hmm. same lesson and flip it upside down. So both understand it. Um, You know, a pastor has to be creative to come up with a sermon. Um, Marketing people are having to be creative. So so many of us are using creative energy and we don't know that we're draining ourselves in that area. Mm, yes, I can totally see that. So the rest restores the creativity in us. Yes, it, that's so, what it's awakening. It's awakening the possibility 
it starts, it starts kind of inspiration is kind of the way most people look at it. It starts inspiring you about what's possible because you see then other beauty, other art forms, whether it's natural or man-made, and then that lets you see what else is possible. Right, right. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk practical about us as adults. Can you give us some examples of ways to add rest into the middle of a busy work day, a busy homeschooling day, a busy day that a stay-at-home mom might have? What can we do practically to work rest in there? Yeah, well, one thing that a lot of mom groups I know have been doing, um, based off the teaching of the book, has been you do social rest virtually. Because particularly a lot of young moms have stated that they just feel alone. You know, <laughs> you're, you're home with your baby and your, your spouse may be off to work and you're there for a while and you can't really break away to get around other moms because, you know, particularly now, but even before all of this, just because of the, the dynamics of it, try, you know, childcare and the nap times and getting everything arranged. Many of them have talked about doing these virtual social rest breaks or what they call virtual coffee times, where a group of eight moms might set a kind of a private Zoom room where at 10 o'clock every Thursday, that room's open for 15, 20 minutes. And whichever moms can jump on just to kind of have a chance to be together, just to have some, some time where someone else is pouring into you. The agreement is this is not a gripe fest. We're not going to come with all our problems and all our issues. We're just going to come and support each other. We're going to kind of pour back into each other. And the beauty of that is, is that it doesn't matter, you know, if you have childcare, doesn't matter if there's a stack of clothes on the bed behind you when you're on the the call, doesn't matter if somebody's screaming their head off in the background. Everybody understands the situation and they're ready to support and love you in that moment, whatever the moment looks like. And so there's an automatic feeling of acceptance that comes with that, that helps to rebuild not only the social rest part of it, but the emotional rest part of it. Because you don't feel like a mama loser because you've got a stack of laundry in the back because they're like, girl, don't forget about that. I've got a stack too. You know, no big deal. We're going to make it through this. We're going to keep moving right. going forward. Right. And social rest is be putting yourself in relationship with people that will fill you up. Yeah. So that's. That's the beauty of having those moments where you know that you're going to be filled up. Yeah, I love that. And we need that because so many people need us, you know, all the time. And it's so easy to just focus on those people who need you and not realize that you need people as well. Right. What about in the middle of the work day? So you're in the middle of a work day. What can Mm -hmm. you do to instill rest? Well, one of my favorite ones, one that I do quite often, <laughs> I spend a lot of time on the computer, you know, even now telemedicine. I mean, it's like everything is on the computer. I feel like I spend hours on the computer every day. Very easy to get in a situation where your sensory can become sensory overloaded. Yes. Some simple things to do if you start noticing that you're having neck or back pain because of whatever positioning that you may be in, can evaluate kind of what part of your body is hurting and how you are positioning yourself. If you're vertically challenged, like I am, many people would actually benefit from having, it's a little, I call it a stool, but it's really a foot rest to raise your legs a little bit so that your legs, actually the pressure is taken off of the lower part of the leg. So they're not leaning over the chair and affecting your circulation and your lymphatic Mm -hmm. drainage. It improves spider veins if you're a woman who deals with that. Uh, Also improves any swelling in the legs because you're getting that pressure off. 
The other thing is to consider just taking some mini breaks. We call them flow break cycles. So you flow or you do your continuous work for periods of 90 to 120 minutes with purposeful breaks in between there, between five and 15 minutes at which you can get up and go outside if necessary for a quick walk to do the, to get that creative juices flowing again. Works mm-hmm. great for writers or anyone who's kind of doing concentrated work for a long period mm-hmm. or just close your eyes. It's amazing the amount of facial strain and fatigue that many people have just because when you're concentrating, you have a tendency to kind of grit your teeth and kind of kind of furrow your brow and all of that. But closing your eyes automatically kind of causes your face to relax. So if anybody listening, if you're not driving, close your eyes for a moment. Yeah. Well, your face automatically starts relaxing. And because you've shut out the vision, you've taken out that that light source that affects the create the sensory aspect of it, you can automatically feel your body start to kind of calm down. So a lot Mm -hmm. of just really simple ways of getting your body to recognize that this is a rest moment and we're going to pause for a minute to let ourselves recover. Mm. In fact, I can almost see like a homeschooling mom or a mom whose kids are uh, doing distance learning that they could do that in the middle of the day. They Mm -hmm. could even, you know, set a time where they know they're not on an online class or whatever and be like, all right, guys, we're going to set the timer for three minutes and we're just going to close our eyes and and just to model that, to do it themselves, but to have their kids do it as well. I love that idea. And I think, you know, we back a thousand years ago, it seems like now I can remember (laughs) being in grade school and they used to make us do that. It's like, you you don't have to take a nap, but you're just, you've just got to be quiet for like 15 minutes just to kind of calm down. And Mm -hmm. it's very helpful. Most people cannot just flip into a nap. That's not common for most of us to take, as they say, power naps, but we can have a power reset. You know, if my computer gets hot, hot and hot wired and acting up and not doing what I wanted to do, I'll hit the reset and it goes all the way down. You know, it doesn't go partially down. It goes all the way down and then it comes back up refreshed. Well, we're very similar to that. We need sometimes a little bit of a reset in the middle of the day. Oh, I love that. So you have a quiz that is available. It's called the rest quiz. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where can we find it? Because it's free. It's free, right? (laughs) It is free. Okay. That's what Um, I was thinking. It's at restquiz.com. We were extremely creative with that. Oh yeah, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) But it's very simple. Just restquiz.com. It takes about five minutes to answer the question. And uh, what it does is it gives you a score on which of the seven types of rest you are most efficient in. You know, the number one thing people tend to ask me is, so I've got to get all seven of these. You know, it's like I'm already tired. Now you've given me seven things I've got to do. No, most of us are already automatically doing some of these. We didn't know what we were doing. We just knew certain things made us feel better. And so we had a tendency to do those. Now you have some terminology to actually attach to what it is that you're doing. Yes. But if there's uh, some, sometimes if you're still tired, then chances are there's one of these seven that either you didn't realize was um, an area of of issue for you, or maybe you didn't even know existed. And Mm -hmm. so now once you can identify it, you can focus your attention on improving your rest deficit in that specific area. And then by doing that, you can start feeling the improvement. Ah, that makes sense. 
Well, I am eager to do even more reading. So you can pick up, if you are as well, you can pick up Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith's book, Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. You can pick that up uh, anywhere where books are sold, right? That's correct. Yes. And then where can we find you online? My main website is at ichoosemybestlife.com. And there's a lot of free resources there as well in the resources section. Particularly, we have a challenge that we do that's a 30-day sacred rest challenge to kind of help people just find some practical ways of living this out. Mm, I love that. Sometimes I have our guests pray for our listeners. Would you be willing, as it relates to this concept of rest, uh, would you be willing to disclose this? Yes. Okay. We thank you. We thank you for the gift of rest. We thank you for the opportunity to lay down the stressors and the burdens and all of the tension of life and to be able to come to you and to just spend time in your presence without expectation, just to be with you. And Father, I just ask for every person that's listening that you will help them see the areas of their lives where maybe they have, like I had taken upon responsibility and tried to do things in their own strength help them to realize that you've given this gift of rest as an opportunity for them to lay it down, to be mm-hmm. able to re- to release the, the stress and the pressure, to be able to get rid of perfectionism, to be able to get to a place of healthy personal boundaries, to be able to set themselves on a course that allow them to stop working from their place of overwhelm, but to get to a place of flowing and working from their overflow, flowing from their place of rest with you and being able to see how you can move in their lives when you are given the opportunity to restore them in every area. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, I will make sure and include all of the links to the things that we've talked about today in the show notes. Uh, For those of you that are listening, I just encourage you to head over to jillsavage.org slash podcast. And that's where you'll be able to find the show notes for this show, as well as the other shows that are out there. Again, thanks so much, Sandra, for joining us. We're so grateful. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.